You are Locked On Browns, your daily podcast covering the Cleveland Browns, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Um, it always you know, changes within the Locked On world, and uh, some things we're pretty excited about, and we'll be able to share a little bit more here. Nothing's really going to change, um, but just shows the growth of things over here uh, with Locked On, and of course, you know, with... Uh, Megaphone, who we uh, use as our launching point for our work here. Congratulations to the folks at Megaphone. And it'll be something that's going to be beneficial to all, all parties involved. So, you know, good news. And, you know, in times like these, it's always like to, uh, good to hear anything positive. Uh, your host, Jeff Lloyd. You can find me at Jeff underscore LJ underscore Lloyd. Find the show at Lockdown Browns on Twitter. We are joined by Sam Panix today. We're going to get to Sam here in a minute. But first, your Wednesday edition of Locked on Browns is brought to you by Pepsi. Thanks to a lack of natural athleticism or commitment or overbearing sports parents, fewer than 1% of 1% of 1% of people will ever play professional football. But instead of entering the NFL, they've joined another league, the League of Football Watchers. This football season will be different. And Pepsi is here to get you ready for game day, no matter how you watch. Guys, you know the drill. Me, I get myself all stressed out, and then I start yelling at the TV for three hours. And then, you know, we sit down and do a post-game Lockdown Browns episode. Pepsi is the refreshment you need to power through any game day. Because Pepsi is not made for those who play the game. It is made for those who watch it. Pepsi, made for football watching. Uh, like I've said, you know, Sam has been on with us before. Um, and you know, very similar to you know Corey, who we had on last night. Um, I, I tried to, this year to give the opportunity um, to get some you know, some new voices in here on, on a little bit of a regular basis, and I wanted to do it for some guys who really deserved it. Um, and that's why you know Corey on and Sam on, and obviously you know Pete and I will handle being a pre and post, and we've mixed in some other voices here. I'm just trying to keep it new, just trying to keep it fresh. Uh, you know, Pete's schedule gets busy. Um, you know, obviously my schedule gets busy, but you know, also wanted to give the opportunity to, uh, you know, lend out a hand and opportunity for some other guys who are doing some great work and, you know, certainly deserve, you know, to have their voices and their opinions heard. So a pleasure, you know, having Sam on here, uh, Sam, we're cruising in here now to the second half. Um, and the first thing that sticks out to me is, and look, I know everybody, you know, Browns wise, and, you know, I get that all, you know, some of you don't follow the entire league and I understand, but there's certainly some teams that have been much, much worse off injury-wise than the Browns. Um, but, Sam, you talk about what's about to return here for this team um, with a pretty favorable looking, for the most part, second half of the schedule. And it, it's hard not to get excited again. Um, I understand losses linger, and, you know, uh, Browns fans carry them like a badge. Um, but coming up here the next few weeks and, you know, over these last eight games, there's an opportunity here. Uh, with the firepower that's coming back for this team to maybe, you know, pick it up here, and especially on the offensive side of the ball. Yeah, I mean, they're 5-3, and three and they're getting, you know, two of their three best players back this week. So that's obviously a huge shot in the arm, and it couldn't have come at a more perfect time because while they're in a good position for the rest of the season to make the playoffs, they have a lot of work to do to make that happen. So getting healthy is is the most important thing for them right now. And I am very excited to see this offense at full strength once again. Well, almost full strength, minus uh, one specific receiver. So it should be a lot of fun, and they should be able to get back to pounding the football like they were 
early in the season against a really bad Houston run defense this week. So looking forward to watching that happen. I mean, you talk about it here. I mean, you know, what they're returning and, uh, you know, put it in for you know, when they physically left, you're talking about you're returning, your be- you know, he was your best offensive lineman. You're returning your best running back. Um, and, you know, some of us here in the Browns community, we have no problem you know, slapping this hammer down, like, you know, this gavel down like a judge. Um, you're returning, in our opinion, the best running back in the NFL, or if not one of the top two, three running backs okay. in the NFL. You're returning your best tight end. Um, you know, look at whatever happened against the Raiders and, you know, so obviously some miscues and some drops led to it. Um, but you cannot turn a blind eye to what's returning to this offense. And this is also going to help here as we try to get more of a accurate read on Baker Mayfield. Um, and obviously this front office's coaching staff needs this because, you know, you're starting to get to the point where the dating period is going to be over between the Browns and Baker Mayfield. And it's going to be time to essentially put a ring on it. Right. Or the decision to put a ring on it. Yeah. Yeah. So obviously making the playoffs is the goal this season and they're in a good spot to do that. But the most important thing for right now and moving forward is figuring out what exactly they have in Baker Mayfield. And that was the entire focus of the off season was to, put him in the best position possible to succeed. And they did that by investing in the offensive line. They've, they've added weapons over the past few seasons to where, you know, he really doesn't have any excuses anymore. So the first few games of the season, you know, he, he had some, some deep valleys and we've seen, you know, a really high peak and then a, a pretty good game. Uh, in week eight, despite the conditions and despite the performance of his teammates. So he's going to be facing some pretty bad defenses. I believe the uh, the average DVOA defensive rankings of the teams he's facing these last eight weeks is 20, and that's including the Steelers and the Ravens, who are very high up there. So he's got a, a lot of pressure on his shoulders to prove that he's worth that fifth-year option pickup that has to happen this may and you know he doesn't have his his number one target in order to do that so it's it's put up or shut up for him right now and you know we've we've all seen what he can do we all know what he's capable of he just has to prove that he's able to reach that consistently which is something he's been unable to do throughout his NFL career so hopefully these past two weeks have been kind of a jumping off point for him and we'll see more of that play uh, over the second half and less of what he showed against Pittsburgh. Um, you know, and look, I mean, you know, everybody knows, you know, wh- where the issues, you know, were, and it's, you know, having bad games against the most important opponents and especially opponents that you're going to battle against twice a year uh, for division supremacy um, certainly puts, you know, uh, yeah, the, the, the question of, you know, where this franchise is with Baker, you know, long-term. Um, but for me, you know, what and what I want to look forward to, and I, we, we touched a little bit about this last night with uh, with Corey Kinnon. Um, you know, look, you're also, you know, I think we're all very excited about the future of Coach Stefanski. I think we're all very happy. But there's things you look for, and there's tendencies, and, you know, how head coaches handle things. One that you're always going to look at a coach is, look, you're coming off the bye. And this is like the most perfect bye there is when you have it week nine after you've gone eight in. You get a chance to relax, get your players rested, 
get to go a little bit deeper into your team. Start maybe eliminating things from the playbook. Start maybe trying to add some things to the playbook on the offensive side of the ball, on the defensive side of the ball. Um, it's basically a chance to coach up the coaches. And, you know, you want to see how this team responds, especially after a flat week eight performance. You want to see how this team responds coming out of the bye. Um, there's, you know, no excuses anymore. You know, no OTA talk, no shortened camp, no preseason. That's just all out the stinking window now. Now it is about, you know, what is the best version of what is the 2020 Cleveland Browns? You should be starting to achieve that now here in the second half of the season, Sam. Right. So they, they obviously can't have another flat performance like they had against the Raiders, which obviously there were outside circumstances that they, that they could control that contributed to what happened, but that can't happen again. Uh, they can't have an absolute you know, implosion like they did against Baltimore and Pittsburgh, who they'll have, you know, another opportunity to, to get at later this year. So we need to see them prepared. We need to see them improving and, and not repeating the mistakes that they made over the first half of the year. And it's not just the, like you said, it's not just the players that have to do that. It's, it's up to the coaching staff to prove that, you know, they understand what it takes to win in the NFL and they're going to be improving themselves on a week to week basis. And, you know, the, the best chance for them to, to prove that is against Baltimore and Pittsburgh, because those, those are going to be huge games later on in the season when you're in the playoff hunt. And who knows if they don't take care of business against one of these lesser teams, then one of those two games becomes a must win if they want to get into the playoffs. So if, if that's the case, then, you know, you're, you're really going to see the team's true colors and the coaching staff's true colors. So like you said, we, we're all happy with, with the five and three start to the Stefanski era, but there are definitely things that he can improve on as, as I know he would, he would be the first one to tell you that, but you know, words, words are only worth so much, you know, you have to go out and prove it and, you know, to this point, I think he's done a good job of, of walking the walk, and we just need to see that happen. You know, he's got eight games under his belt as a head coach. He's he's still extremely inexperienced in that area. So we'll see how he does over the second half. He's got a very, very easy schedule in terms of you know winning percentage and the defenses that he's facing. So it's going to be really interesting to see how this team responds to know being in the playoff hunt and how they're going to face the adversity that's eventually going to come this season especially against those two heavyweights that they they didn't look like they belonged against earlier in the season uh yeah it's no question and you know and the other thing could be is you know at the rate the Pittsburgh Steelers are playing at week 17 I mean week 17 could just be Pittsburgh basically handing me a cookie um you know maybe sitting some guys uh, getting themselves ready because, uh, you know, they'll probably be firmly in contention uh, for the number one seed or probably even number two seed um, with two game lead now and, and the way they're rolling and one more game with Baltimore, obviously one more game with the Browns. I mean, the Browns game in week 17 could possibly not mean much. So, well, you know, continue to play it out here. But, you know, there's going to be a lot to learn this week. And obviously the week's coming um, because you want to see improvement after that buy. Uh, the players are going to feel better physically. The bumps and bruises go away. Not that they're not going to start amping up again. 
uh, once you start going live again, obviously, but you know, you get that little break here and at the perfect time at the, you know, essentially the 50% midway point of the NFL season. We're going to flip it up here. We're going to talk a little bit of the defensive side of the ball. I'm going to have Sam uh, give us uh, and start planting some flag here on some potential Browns targets for the 2021 NFL draft. All that coming up here on your Wednesday edition of Locked On Browns. Protecting my family is my number one priority, but I want to do it safely. The people at Taser believe the safer self-defense is better self-defense. Taser's line of non-lethal self-protection devices are small and lightweight enough to carry with you or in your glove compartment or for you ladies in your pocketbook. Yet they're powerful enough to incapacitate an attacker. Guns carry unnecessary risks for you and those around you. And even pepper, pepper spray can harm you as much as an attacker. And it's often ineffective. Taser products are safe and easy to use. They use an electric charge to mobilize attackers up to 30 seconds, allowing you time to escape and send emergency dispatch to your GPS location. Taser devices come loaded with features like uh, laser-assisted targeting and emergency dispatch, which will send response teams to your GPS location. Taser devices um, are used by more than two uh, more than 237 lives have been saved uh, through the Taser network of devices, apps, and their network right now is the possibility to protect yourself and protect your family with Taser's line of smart self-defense products. Taser is available without a permit in most U.S. states. Get the Taser Plus uh, Pulse Plus or Taser Strike Light at taser.com with the promo code NFL. Save 15% now on taser.com, promo code NFL, spelled T-A-S-E-R.com, promo code NFL, restriction supply, see site for details. Uh, thanks to our new folks over there um, in that regards. And, you know, not going to say a word, but, uh, you know, protecting the family, uh, taking care of everybody. Obviously a huge, huge thing we're all talking about here in the 2020 year Sam, now on the defensive side of the ball, um, Jacob Phillips practicing again, um, a player we're all high on. Um, a lot of that is obviously based on um, you know, what he did down at LSU. Um, he's had moments. There was a three-play sequence in Dallas, um, again, against Indianapolis, where we showed signs. This defense, and I, you know, I don't care where it comes from, Sam, whether it's on a defensive line. I don't care if some of the one of these linebackers would tr would like to step up and seize the opportunity, or maybe somebody else in the secondary, not named Denzel Ward and Ronnie Harrison. But this cannot be a three man show on the defensive side of the ball. And to this point, it kind of has been. And even the games they were winning against the lesser opponents, you know, a lot of it was saved, you know, by creating turnovers, causing turnovers. Some guys got to step up and a tackle people. But B, you just somebody. There's got to be more than just the three of these guys on defense that, that are going to make some noise on the defensive side of the ball. Yeah, something's got to change because the performance that group has has put up throughout games it's just simply not good enough. 
you know, they, they were what the fifth ranked rushing defense prior to last week. And it was pretty easy to see that that was a very misleading stat because through those first seven games, teams didn't run the ball because they either weren't able to run the ball because they were too far behind or they just chose not to run the ball because they knew they could torch the passing defense. And once the Browns were actually, they actually found themselves in a relatively close game where an opposing team was actually able to commit to the run, they got absolutely gashed. So it doesn't matter whether the opposing team is running or throwing, they're going to be able to score points against this defense. And because of the personnel that they have to work with right now, there's just, you know, it's not going to, there's not going to be any drastic changes to the level of performance this season, unfortunately, because of you know, the injuries to, to guys like Delpit and Williams. And, you know, the defense just wasn't the priority this past offseason, which is entirely understandable. And I fully expect Andrew Barry and company to make that their priority in year two. And the group should look a lot better in 2021. But for now, they just have to try to mask their deficiencies with, you know, schematic things that they can do. So, you know, for example, I think they should be using Carl Joseph more in the box as a money backer rather than having him sit on the bench behind Ronnie Harrison right now. And, you know, even in the, in the games that he's played, he's played twice as many snaps at deep safety as he has in the box, which is what we got mad at the Raiders for, you know, when we signed Joseph, because it's like, oh, well, they are clearly misusing <laughs> him when we're, we're doing the exact same thing. And so I just, I don't understand why that's happening. I think the perfect role for him is a money backer because you're pulling off a linebacker and putting on a defensive back. That's addition by subtraction here. So I think that needs to happen. I think the linebackers need to be shooting gaps more in the run game just to try to generate some tackles for loss or hits at the line of scrimmage because they're obviously not doing that themselves right now. They, that linebacker room has combined for a total of three tackles for loss this season, which is not great. Um, I think Woods needs to also figure out uh, when when to use man, when to use zone more effectively, because it seems like, you know, the, the opposing team will drive down the field and then he'll switch to playing cover three in, in the red zone. And you'll see Sendejo and, and Denzel Ward giving up these large pockets of space behind them. And, you know, even, even in week eight, that, that Henry Ruggs touchdown that was called back, that was cover three zone as well. So Ward is definitely not a, a great zone corner right now. And that's something he needs to definitely improve at. But if you're trying to win football games right now, then he needs to be playing primarily man. So there are definitely some schematic things that they can do. Um, definitely getting more of the young guys involved, like Sheldrick Redwine, who, didn't see the field again uh, in week eight, despite, you know, Sendejo playing another stellar game. Um, <laughs> and then, you know, Jordan Elliott, who was a great pass rusher in college, he's gotten 20 pass rush snaps over the past four games, which is just ridiculous because it's not like Larry Ogunjobi is setting the world on fire ahead of him. Right. So I, I've said this all season, but Woods is not, you know, impressed me too much i'm not calling for his head or anything i think you know he needs to be given a chance just like anybody else would but there are definitely some things that i think he should be doing right now that he is not 
And if you were to implement those those couple of ideas, then I think the defense would be playing a little bit better. And, you know, we, we all knew that once those turnovers, which were coming at an unsustainable rate, once those dried up, then the defense was going to get exposed and exposed it has been. So this team is only going to win football games when they outscore the opponent in these, you know, crazy shootouts because right now they're not stopping anybody. You know, the, the Raiders came into that game as one of the worst rushing offenses in the league. They were down to their second string left guard, their second string right tackle who got injured halfway through the game. So they're down to the third string right tackle and they still just absolutely obliterated the defensive line in that game to the tune of over 200 rushing yards. So, I mean, the defensive performance is just unacceptable and it, it needs to improve, simply put. And unfortunately, I don't know how much of a difference that can be made this season, but they've, they've got to do something or else it's going to cost them a playoff berth at this rate. Yeah, well, I mean, well, part of that, in, in my opinion, is, you know, look, um, the some of the players who weren't playing, Shelter Redwine, you know, certainly the case. Um, Jacob Phillips's injuries certainly haven't hurt. But look, you have guys who, you know, and it's not like these guys were, you know, undrafted free agents or day, two, you know, day three picks or, you know, like way far down the line. These are guys that it looks like they have the ability to perform at this level. And for some, Sheldrick Redwine in a small sample size, he has. Um, you know, the tackling is not great, but the instincts on the ball, um, always around the ball, these things show up. Um, you know, the linebacker unit, and this is the thing that kind of gets difficult. And, this obviously happened in 2019 and obviously it's happening this season when you you know, name a head coach um, and it, this obviously applies to Freddie Kitchen just as much as it does Kevin Stefanski. What are you going to try to do? You're going to try to get whatever you can to succeed on whatever side of the ball your head coach is basically in charge of. Um, you know, obviously both of these guys were all, you know, offensive oriented coaches. Um, so you try to, you know, put them in the best position to succeed, ignoring, ignoring, not ignoring the defense, however you want to you know, term it, but you were trying to get your offense right. The defense, not as much, but the problem is, is when you are forever turning things over and you can never have anything sustained as far as a coaching staff, uh, you know, you end up in a position now where, you know, okay, in year two, we'll get, you know, so-and-so what they need on the defensive side of the ball here. Well, we're on our third, third defensive coordinator in three years. So it's really difficult to do that. And I think they would, I think Grant Delpit would have changed a lot of things and we can't totally bank on it, obviously, because, you know, Grant Delpit never has taken an NFL snap. So we don't truly know the player he is. We think we all knew where it was trending to, um, but a lot was being put on his plate. Um, he was going to have an important role here, whether he was ready for it or not sink or swim rook is kind of you know the approach that we're going to go with there. So it does make it difficult in that front, and I'm sure the uh, you know the plan would be in year two if things you know can continue on this pace, they'll get Joe Woods what he needs. But Sam, if we're to sit down, say eight weeks from now, and uh, guys, Sam, guys and gals, Sam's 21 now. So if we were sitting down with a cold beer, Sam, if one, if pick one player, one player you think if that they can either get healthy, pick it up on the defensive side of the ball could help maybe this defensive group improve and maybe take, I don't want to say a major step, but to the point now where there's a lot more confidence that teams aren't going to go drive for drive with the Browns offense. 
Well, since I can't choose Delpit, it's going to be Jacob Phillips. I I would say because <laughs> just because of that 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 the way that linebacker room is playing right now, it's just you know they they don't have any coverage instincts. They can't cover anybody. They get picked on every single play, and against the run, they just they wait. They you know they can't get off blocks. They don't have instincts. They they wait until the ball comes to them and their tackles come, you know, six, seven, eight yards downfield. So they're not helping against the pass. They're not helping in run support. So I don't really know, you know, what, why are they out there? I'm not, not really sure. So, you know, in those the limited 38 snaps that we've seen of Phillips, you know, it's extremely small sample size, but you can just tell by looking at him, he's clearly a different level of athlete than the rest of the guys in that group. And, you know, he has, he has that explosion. He has those instincts to know where, where a play is going. You know, he sniffed out that reverse against the Colts. He was the, by far the first player in the defense to know, to realize what was happening. So it's little things like that that are encouraging. And you hope that, you know, if he can stay healthy and get that knee right, then he could really make a big difference because if he can help and actually, you know, make, make tackles at the line of scrimmage and fill his gaps correctly in the run game and at least be somewhat passable in coverage, then just because of how poorly the linebackers have played, then you're getting a, a, a big delta there from Goodson and Wilson to Phillips. And you know, even though linebacker may not be the most important position in the defense, given the way that the defensive interior is playing right now, I think having a linebacker who is able to help, you know, meet meet the runner at the line of scrimmage is going to be a, a big difference maker. So Phillips is definitely the guy on that defense that I want to see get healthy and earn a, a big role over these last few games because I think he can really he can really help out in uh, in both areas of the game. Yeah, uh, and you know we've had this conversation before on Jacob Phillips. I think it's the right amount of athleticism. I think it's the right amount of, you know, just being an intelligent player. Also, I think it's the right amount of, you know, being a rookie and, you know, having played in the SEC and uh, a lot of what's, you know, translating now into the NFL, it's coming from college offenses. And some of this stuff isn't just, you know, new to a guy like Jacob Phillips. And let's be honest, if we got somebody to play at a C-plus level at the linebacker position right now, it would be a plus compared to what we've seen to this point. There's got to be somebody. And, you know, look, I understand this in, you know, just like Sam said, this defense is not truly predicated on linebacker play. Um, but that doesn't mean that the linebackers that do play uh, can't play better <laughs> to put it in simpler enough terms. Um, yes. This, the, the dream scenario is to, you know, become a, you know, a, a, essentially a base nickel defense, play that big nickel. Uh, There's certainly guys uh, we're going to look at um, in the 2021 NFL draft um, who can maybe do those roles. And we're going to get to that here with Sam in a second. Again, your Wednesday edition of Locked on Browns on the Locked on Podcast Network. The improved Bill Bar is even deliciouser. 18 amazing flavors now, including nut and non-nut flavors. Six brand new flavors, caramel brownie, cookies and cream. Cherry Garcia, Lemon Almond Cheesecake, Carrot Cake, Apple Almond Crisp. Some of your favorites from the original lineup, the German Chocolate, the Peanut Butter 
and the mint brownie. Built Bars are covered in 100% chocolate. They're soft and they're easy to chew. Built Bar is great for the health conscious guy or gal. Lose or maintain weight while indulging in a delicious treat. Bars are low calorie, low sugar, high protein, high fiber. They are great with the keto diet. The flavor profile for the cookies and cream bar, 17 grams of protein, 130 calories, 4 grams of sugar, 4 grams net carbs. Go to BuiltBar.com. Use the promo code LOCKDOWN, no space, all caps, and you'll get 20% off your next order. Again, use the promo code LOCKDOWN for 20% off at BuiltBar.com. Well, Sam, it's never too early to start planning the flag. Um, but we've actually gotten to the point now in the college season um, where we're starting to you know, get a good amount of you know games and essentially what final auditions, if you want to use that as far as the film and tape grades. Some players uh, of this uh, 2B 2021 NFL draft. Uh, the Browns currently standing with nine picks. I know sometimes I have sent 10 guys, and I apologize about that. It is no longer 10, obviously, with Ronnie Harrison in the fold. Sam, a couple of names that have got you intrigued, and I know you and Stephen Thomas are doing your uh, weekly battle of who can out-mock who, essentially. Um, some names, some thoughts here uh, of guys that you think can maybe come here um, for you know through the 2021 NFL draft for the Browns, and you know, maybe take this team over the next home. Yeah. So for the record, I won the battle this week with Steven. So just want to he get tapped out. out. He was sick. Hey, hey. <laughs> a win's a win's a win's a win. Yes. <laughs> yeah, that scoreboard. That's all I'm going to say. So as, as far as, as far as prospects, I mean, obviously the biggest needs are going to be an edge to pair with Garrett, uh, defensive tackle, linebacker, pretty much any position on defense. We could just draft a whole new defense, and that'd be perfectly fine with me. Uh, as far as offense, I think you could definitely use another receiver, and you might want to look at another tight end uh, deep in the draft, maybe you know replace Najoku eventually, whether it's this year or next year. So I would lean more towards the Browns taking a pass rusher in the first round just because of how much they value the defensive line and, you know, good depth there. Olivier Verne isn't going to be back next year, so you don't really have a starter uh, opposite Garrett. Maybe they go after Clowney or somebody like that in free agency, but as of now, you're looking at taking one of those guys in the first round. So I think the you're probably not going to be in a position to get Miami's Greg Rousseau, who is – probably the the top edge in the class at this point he's probably going to go top 10 and the browns shouldn't be picking that high uh barring anything unforeseen so right now you're probably looking at michigan's quitty pay or pie i'm not sure how to say it but he's a a really good pass rusher he's you know about 6'4 270 really athletic quick and agile um before this year you know he was really like you could see the athletic potential, but the production and kind of the, the refined technique wasn't there, but he's really been off to a hot start this season. And he's, he's showing 
signs of being a dominant pass rusher at the next level. So if you could pair Garrett's Batman with a with a Robin of that level athletically, then you know you, you'd be pretty happy with that. So that's that's probably one of the one of the top prospects for the Browns that I would look at right now. As far as linebacker, there's gonna be a lot of good players on day two. Missouri's Nick Bolton is is a guy I, I really, really like. Um, he may not be the, the biggest or the, the most, you know, may not have the most range, but he's really smart. He's got exceptionally good run instincts, and he hits really hard. He wraps up, and he's also pretty good in coverage as well. So that's that's the kind of guy you could plug in at Mike and just you know forget about the position for the next four or five years. And then have Jacob Phillips continue to to develop at at will, and you know all of a sudden you might have a pretty good young linebacker tandem there, which would be a a massive upgrade above what they have right now. And you know there are a couple of defensive backs. It wouldn't be the most surprising thing in the world to see them take another corner in the first round, just because of how important that position is. But I I would lean more towards edge right now. So 100%. if you want the quarterback yeah. to play better, get after the quarterback more often. Yeah. Yeah. The, those, those two positions are so intertwined that way. So mm-hmm. if you can make one of their, one of the groups jobs easier, you should, should definitely do it. And as far as, as tight end goes, I have a, a super deep sleeper and it's kind of hard to be a deep sleeper when you're the starting tight end for Clemson, but Braden Galloway is a very deep, sleeper in this class he's he's not getting talked about nearly at all but he's big he's about 6'4 250 he blocks I'm not going to say he blocks great but he he definitely uh, gives a lot of effort in that area and because of his size you can definitely see him him developing into a good blocker he's better than you know what David Najoku is right now so we have we have that at least to go off of but he's he may not have, you know, the elite athletic tools, the elite explosion that David Njoku does, but he's a much more fluid athlete and his routes are much more sudden and refined. He just creates separation. And while, you know, his production isn't great because he doesn't have a lot of targets, was suspended uh, nearly all of last season in that uh, Osterine bust that Dexter Lawrence also got hit for. Um, I don't think that should affect his his stock too much, but he's the kind of guy who you can develop, you know, maybe not rely on much for a year or two, but he's he's got the kind of athletic, you know, route running ability that he just he just creates space with with the way he runs routes, and you know there there's a one one play in that national championship game last year where he just takes a a slant pass, gets around Jacob Phillips oddly enough, and he just, you know, he it turns into a 50, 60 yard gain aside from a holding penalty. And you can see that uh, the athletic ability that he has, it's on display on that play. So he's the kind of guy I could see the Browns taking on day three and eventually taking over that pass catcher role uh, from Najoku. So I definitely think, you know, tight end is an is a option for them on day three just because of how much they use that position. So there are a lot of, you know, interesting positions. I don't love where the Browns are right now. It's, you know, as far as draft position, it's kind of a no man's land there. So maybe, you know, I wouldn't be surprised if they traded down again this year, just to add some more 
uh, some more draft capital in the future because you know, if there's no elite prospect there, if, if, if all those guys that you really want are gone, then go ahead and hedge your bets on the future. Like we've seen this front office do already. Well, I mean, the analytic approach is, you know, um, to have essentially, you know, you know, more attempts to, you know, hit the apple tree or the buffet, uh, the more attempts, maybe the more success you'll find. Um, that's never going to change. Um, but when you never know how this is going to work and this is what's going to make the 2021 draft so interesting is because we're going to be talking about, you know, some guys who essentially haven't played football in 15, 18 months. And, you know, where are they at? And, you know, a, a lot of it's going to come down to maybe where they're at mentally. Um, you know, what did that break do to them? You know, and how committed have they been being away from the game? And, you know, what do they look like? And, you know, are they, you know, did they stay the course as far as, you know, being in shape? Uh, 2021 NFL draft. And, look, I'm not ready to truly go there yet. And we're dipping our toes in at this point. Um, a couple of years ago, yeah, I mean, Lockdown Browns was uh, NFL draft coverage almost every episode because – that's where the Browns were. Um, not the case anymore, but uh, the 2021 NFL draft cycle, and coincidentally enough, scheduled to be in Cleveland, is going to be an interesting, wild, wild ride as far as all this, how, how this all works. I uh, want to thank Sam for his time. Um, always a pleasure having him on. Um, and again, like I told you, uh, you know, guys who put in the work and, you know, some guys. Been there. So um with at Sam underscore Penny, Marie's work at Clutch Points NFL with the first pick. Dog Pound Daily. Um, he's also part of you know the crew over at PFF does some work over there. Um, a little Cavs basketball, Cavs Nation CP. Make sure you check him out. But again, follow Sam at underscore Sam. I mean at Sam underscore P-E-N-I-X. Thank you, Sam, for your time. Locked on Browns at Locked On Browns. Uh, follow back account, as you all know, DMs are open. Me personally, at Jeff underscore LJ underscore Lloyd. Again, DMs are open over there as well. iTunes, Spotify, subscribe, rate, review, please. Folks, I do appreciate you all for that. Um, it's great to be back into game week, um, the bye week. It was a long, long bye week, and obviously with all the election coverage. Um, just, you know, maybe everything was good in that aspect, um, and I did my best to understand and respect that everybody obviously was focusing on some more important things than the game of football. Still got your content, did everything you could, but we're back. Uh, Browns are going to, you know, basically, you know, it's kicking off one o'clock Sunday. We're ready to go versus the Houston Texans. So this has been your daily delivery of all things dog pound. LGB on the LB. Let's go Browns.